Good morning, Moneyliners community, on this Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023, for our first podcast of the year coming from the Buckeye State. You know, normally we do our first podcast of the week with a weekly recap, sharing our record uh, from the prior week. And we talk a lot about game action, especially the NFL playoffs as they come uh, fast and furiously on our doorstep. Um, I'm just going to summarize everything up very quickly and say we had a great week last week. Finished it off with a 6-1 NFL record on Sunday. Uh, You know, we kicked off the state of Ohio legalized sports betting across the state in both sports books physically and online uh, with DraftKings and FanDuel. So it's an exciting time in Ohio. But that all changed last night in Cincinnati in the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. The most anticipated game of the weekend was significant AFC playoff implications and seedings. The place was sold out. The ESPN broadcast on ABC Sports for a special Monday night football with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It was a raucous crowd. Halfway through the first quarter, there was what appeared to be initially a routine play and tackle between receiver T. Higgins and Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. Upon that tackle, DeMar Hamlin got up, he adjusted his helmet, and two seconds later he collapsed motionless on the center of the Cincinnati Bengals football field. Medical personnel came rushing to his aid and it became very clear to everyone watching from home, in the stands, on the sidelines, and his teammates that this was not your typical injury. I remember watching the play and I said to my wife, this is not a concussion. This is a cardiac issue. There is something that has happened with this young man's heart. I did not know if it was a heart attack. I did not know if an arrhythmia or there was some sort of uh, blunt trauma to his chest. But I, I watched the replay several times and all I kept looking at was T. Higgins, who is a very large man, he is a large receiver for NFL standards, moving full speed and the right side of his shoulder pad hit hit DeMar's center chest. And I thought to myself, this is blunt force trauma to his chest or potentially maybe there is a structural issue that had been undiagnosed or unknown his entire life. And the adrenaline and excitement and his heartbeat of that moment just became too much and overloaded his circulatory system and created a heart cardiac arrest. Nonetheless, um, I want to just say a few things about this. Uh, There have been a lot of armchair quarterbacks last night and this morning talking about the NFL and how Roger Goodell was not quick to act or talking about the heroic efforts of the coaches and their unwillingness to go on the field or the players refusing to play. I find all of that very ironic and really ignorant. We have no idea what those discussions were. We have no idea what Roger Goodell did or didn't do in the NFL uh, arena of his people and executives as they were discussing this unprecedented event. So let's not jump to conclusions and say that Roger Goodell wanted everyone else to go out on the football field and play in this type of situation. 
Now, it is clear that, that Sean McDermott uh, did not want to put his team back on the field, and rightfully so. It is very clear to me that neither set of players felt that it was appropriate to go back on the field and play a game. Both sides of the field were concerned for their brother, their fellow NFL player that likely had uh, received certainly CPR and the AED device essentially kickstarting his heart as we're learning today. Uh, his heart had stopped and they were able to uh, get it working again on the football field. So clearly there was uh, a visible line to his situation from those players, both Bengals and Bills, and there was no mood to continue what is truly a game and part of entertaining the fans of the NFL. Uh, you know, I want to also uh, commend Zach Taylor for his mature response in partnership with Sean McDermott. There are some coaches in the NFL that in the back of their mind would think to themselves, we are up seven to three. We have momentum here. We're driving again. I don't want this game to be canceled or postponed. I want to continue the game because I feel like we've got the energy to win this game. Not Zach Taylor. He thought to himself, hey, the most humane thing to do and the most respectful thing to do and the right thing to do for DeMar Hamlin and his family and his teammates and his coaches is to stop this game in its tracks. And if it doesn't get made up, who cares? If it ends in a tie, who cares? We're still in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. What became first and foremost in the minds of both coaches and both sets of players is this young man's life. I have always said for years with any kind of injuries, whether it be a car accident or a sports injury or, or some sort of natural disaster, you can live with a broken leg and a broken arm and a torn ACL as we've seen so many times in sports. A human being cannot live without a heart or a brain. That is why concussions are so, so damaging uh, to the long-term health of an NFL football player or other sports athlete. Last night, DeMar Hamlin needed his heart to live. Thankfully, they were able to get it restarted and get him to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center where he is now in hands of the experts dealing with his issues. And all we can do at this point for this young man is pray. Pray every fan, every coach, every player across the sports landscape, not just in the NFL, but in the NBA and the NHL, uh, in college sports to pray for this young man's future, his health, his life. You know, uh, DeMar Hamlin comes from a very small town of 6,000. McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, on the Ohio River. He was a sixth-round draft pick out of Pitt. 212th overall draft pick, meaning when the time came for his name to be called, he wasn't extremely relevant in the grand scheme of draft picks. Yet somehow, he has now started in his second year every game at safety for the Buffalo Bills. It was very clear to me last night that DeMar Hamlin has captured the hearts and the souls of his teammates, his brothers, his coaches, young and old, white and black, Hispanic, all of them. 
both sides of the, the football field, both teams, were all focused on him and his ability to get into that ambulance and get to medical care. The game was meaningless at that point. You know, I, I want to also talk a little bit about what is the balance between human decency and respect to the continuation of the NFL as a business. That is what's in the discussion room in the NFL offices today. What do we do now? How do we go about moving this game forward at some point in time where we will feel a a sense of balance between right and wrong, decent or inhumane? That's what's happening with Roger Goodell and his executive leaders of the NFL this morning. I want to bring something else to the awareness of DeMar Hamlin's situation. And it's personal to me. You know, I felt this strange connection to DeMar last night as I watched him laying on the field. I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan. I have not followed DeMar Hamlin's career from Pitt to the Buffalo Bills. I was just watching the game as a fan of the NFL and this very important AFC matchup. But when I watched DeMar on the field motionless after collapsing, it took me all the way back to the summer of 2000. I was 27 years old. I was playing in a pickup basketball game in my local community. And uh, I collapsed. I did not remember collapsing. I, I, I had no idea why I collapsed. I just woke up in a hospital, in the emergency room, with people surrounding me, doctors hooked on all kinds of machines. I had blood coming down my eyebrow and into my, the, I could feel the dried blood on my eyebrow and forehead. And I was told that I had, a, I was in, I had cardiac arrest, that I, my heart had stopped beating properly, so to speak. Uh, and at the time that I woke up, I was on all of these different machines measuring my pulse, my heartbeat, um, and it was acting very strange and, and odd. It wasn't consistent. Uh, no one knew at the time what was going on. But once everything stabilized for me, uh, I was then discharged, uh, still unknown what had happened. And uh, a few days later, I was scheduled for a electrophysiology study at Ohio State University in Columbus. And during that electrophysiology study, they turned my heartbeat essentially up to over 200 beats per minute. And my heart reacted just fine. Um, the doctors concluded, the cardiologists concluded at the end of that electrophysiology study that, that, that it was a freak accident, that it was an anomaly, that they couldn't make sense of what had happened to my heart other than something had made me collapse. Fast forward uh, many years later, in 2008, uh, nothing had really happened between that period of time in my life in 2000 up to 2008, other than always feeling short of breath or always feeling like I worked too hard at the gym to be this out of shape. Uh, you know, when I would play pickup basketball games or maybe soccer or something of that nature or be at the gym working out, I just felt I was in bad shape all the time, yet I had worked so hard. In 2008, I relocated to Denver, Colorado, and I remember taking my very first hike up a pretty significant elevation in the Rocky Mountains. 
I was completely breathless. There were people I was walking with in far worse shape than I was that were just essentially killing me moving up the mountain. I had to stop like every five minutes and catch my breath. I knew something was wrong and I knew it had to be my heart as my heart would just thump so strongly inside my chest cavity. So I went to the University of Colorado and connected with a cardiologist there. They did far more extensive testing on me than they had done at Ohio State University eight years prior. And they discovered that I had an atrial septal defect or an ASD, which is a hole in your heart. Now we are all born with a hole in our heart as infants when we come out of the womb. But our heart forms properly and closes the left and the right chambers of the heart with a skin flap. Mine never did. Many other people live their whole life with a hole in their heart and nothing ever happens. They don't know and they don't have a cardiac event. I happen to have one eight years later. It was discovered at the University of Colorado in 2008. The cardiologist at the time at the University of Colorado decided that since I had lived for essentially from 1973 to 2008, which is 35 years, successfully without closing that gap in my chambers, that they would continue to monitor me annually and opted to not do a risky surgery. In 2010, I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, which was a much lower elevation and did not experience really many issues that I can recall. In 2012, we moved back to higher elevation to Salt Lake City, Utah, and I began to have similar issues, only this time they became much worse. I was having a hard time walking from my car to my office front doors, which was simply 20 yards, without having to feel out of breath. I connected with a cardiologist um, in Salt Lake City who said, now at your age, at at this point in time, we're going to have to do surgery. I was 43 at the time. So the older you get with an atrial septal defect, the more serious it can become, the more life-threatening. Eventually, it could lead to other heart complications. So in February of 2016, a Gore Helix ocular closure was performed on my heart, which then allowed flesh to grow over that essentially what is an umbrella, a small metal umbrella in the gap of that hole to then form that closure between the two chambers. Since then, it took about six months to even get back to some sort of physical activity uh, and then regain my strength and my stamina and my cardio capabilities. And I must say that now, six, almost seven years later, I'm in the best shape of my life and I don't have those kinds of issues that I had uh, prior to that closure. When I, when I thought last night about Damar, I thought to myself, is this an undiagnosed structural issue in his heart? Was this caused from blunt trauma, the blow to his chest cavity by T. Higgins? Uh, or what is the issue that caused this cardiac arrest? Now, obviously, over the next 24 to 48 hours, I'm hoping that they discover what caused it. What is the issue? Is it structural? Was it blunt force? How do we get him to be okay moving forward? One thing is for sure. If it was blunt force trauma to his chest cavity that caused this cardiac arrest, changes must be made 
in the padding and protection for players of this violent sport, all the way from peewee to the NFL. If it was a structural issue to his heart that maybe he's lived with his whole life, then we've got to do a better job at the collegiate level, at the high school level, and at the pro level of examining someone's most important organ in their body, the heart. Is it structurally sound? Is there a hole between the left and right chamber? Is there something blocked? Is it structurally wired correctly? Is the connectivity from the brain to the heart properly connected? Football is a violent sport. It is fast. It is brutal. It is impactful. And so we have to use DeMar Hamlin's situation, whatever we discover from it, and make those players safer at every level. Now, if you go back and you look at the game of football back in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, their pads were much larger, more beefy. And over the course of time, as we've gotten further to today, those pads have decreased in size. Now, I know that that's technology and advancements in material. I get that. But have we gone too far in trying to make the players faster, more mobile, ability to uh, more, more reflexibility in their movements, whether it be the quarterback throwing or receiver catching? Have we gone too far to where the thickness and the durability and the strength of that padding isn't protecting these players properly? And again, I'm not concerned about a shoulder blade. I'm not concerned about a collarbone. I'm talking about the heart. We have made very important advancements in the helmets. They are protecting them at the best level that we can. But it looks like the pads to me have gotten smaller and thinner. Yet the players have gotten bigger and faster. That is a serious issue. That if nothing else, hoping and praying to God that DeMar Hamlin is safe and lives and can recover in his life and not just his life, but maybe someday play the game he so loves moving forward. Can we learn from this situation, this cardiac arrest that he suffered on national TV in front of the world, in the middle of that football field, can we learn that we have to do something different? Whether it be the padding and protection or whether it be the physical testing as these players advance through their career levels on into college and the NFL before something like this happens again or takes someone's life. When I think about the controversy surrounding this situation, it, it's amazing to me that so many people use tragedy or an accident to advance their agenda. The idea that this is from a COVID vaccination. I want you to think about how stupid that sounds. If this is from a COVID vaccination, there would be many people, athlete and non-athlete, dropping like flies. This isn't from a vaccination that DeMar got and now caused him to have a cardiac arrest event on the middle of an NFL football game. Stop the nonsense. It's ignorance. You look stupid when you talk like that. The other controversy surrounding this was the tweet that Skip Bayless put out last night. Quote, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing this game. 
But how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. I have no idea what Skip Bayless wrote that called for his firing. There is nothing in that tweet that I feel is inappropriate or disrespectful or inconsiderate to DeMar Hamlin. Skip Bayless is a journalist. He's a sports journalist covering a sports topic in an unprecedented event that happened last night on Monday Night Football. Of course they were considering postponing the game, which they did. That's point one of Skip's tweet. He says, but how? Meaning, not how are we canceling this game in and of itself. We know that we need to postpone this game. But what do they do now? I think that's a very valid question. The game has to get played at some point in the future. It clearly could not get played last night. It's not going to get played today. But could it get played later this week, perhaps? Maybe once we find out that DeMar is stable and is progressing in his health, that certainly would create motivation for his teammates and his coaches to go out and win that game for DeMar. Skip asked a valid question. What's next? How do we fix this from the NFL business perspective while also being supportive and praying and remembering and thinking and loving on DeMar Hamlin? He said at the end of the tweet, it suddenly seems so irrelevant. It did. It should have. It was. As a fan watching on TV, I did not want to watch a football game after that. I didn't want them to, those players to get back on that field. I would have turned it off had that happened. Because at that point, you would have crossed the line of human decency. So I'm very thankful that Coach McDermott and Coach Taylor, the players, and the NFL said, no football tonight. I know that's inconvenient for the fans. I know they're going to have to figure out their tickets or how to get back to that game or whatever they had to go through. All of that is not relevant and and so insignificant to a human being's life. So cooler heads prevailed and the game was postponed and discussion doesn't have to be involved fans. It has to be between Roger Goodell and his office along with the Bills and Bengals organization. They'll figure it all out. Roger Goodell gets paid $50 million a year. He better be able to figure this out. That's his job. Everyone else needs to focus on DeMar Hamlin and his medical experts that are with him at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. But Skip Bayless... His tweet was not completely inappropriate and does not call for his firing. Again, another ridiculous notion from Cancel Culture USA. Now, as we change over today, as we begin talking about what we're going to do as an NFL to get this game played out, there really are only three options. Number one, Bengals win. They were up 7-3 when it got postponed. Guess what? That's not fair to the Bills. So really, that's not an option. Option two, it's either tied or canceled. Not enough game time was played, therefore we can't declare a winner. 
That's not fair to the Bengals. They were up and they were driving on this particular series that led to this injury. So that's really not an option either. The game must be played. It has to be played. Because there's too much on the line for this game to not be played. So somehow, between now and this weekend, this game needs to get played. Now, one of the things that you could opt to do is have this game after the Buffalo Bills-New England Patriots matchup and the Cincinnati Bengals-Baltimore Ravens matchup. If, by chance, the Bengals and the Bills win those games, then they need to play for the proper seeding. Could be number one if Kansas City loses. Would be number two if they don't lose. If Buffalo loses to New England and Cincinnati beats Baltimore, then you still need to play the game. Because if Buffalo were to then beat Cincinnati, they would have the heads-up tiebreaker for the number two seat. If Cincinnati loses to Baltimore and Buffalo beats New England, you don't have to play the game at all. So there are options here. We can get the game played. You may just have to extend the playoffs by a few days, or you may not. But ending it in a Bengals win or a tie or canceling it is not an option at this point. It may be an option after the Baltimore, Cincinnati, and New England Bills games. So again, that's why Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the NFL, and now that's his concern to figure out for the business of the NFL while the medical experts focus on DeMar Hamlin's health and his future life. I cannot remember a time when I've watched any sporting event and been more shocked, been more uh, just completely taken out of the context of what I was watching it being a matchup or sport or a, a line or whatever than I did last night. I just kept saying to myself, please, please help this young man and praying, God, please make sure these medical experts on that football field are qualified, capable, competent, and confident in what care they're administering to this young man and get him in that ambulance and off to the hospital ASAP. Forget the game. I just hope and pray that he is in the best possible care at UC Hospital, which is a great hospital in this area. I'm only an hour north from that hospital and that stadium, uh, and I know he's in the right place to help him recover from this um, and, and, and just have somewhat of a normal life moving forward with or without football. The with or without football is secondary to this young man's life itself. And the game is secondary to this young man's life as well. But one of the most important things that we could all do as fans and people, as human beings, is to stop putting out the conspiracies and the controversies and the fire skip bailiffs and the COVID vaccination hoax. Stop it. Just be a human being for once and say, please, please 
watch over and protect this young man as he gets the continued medical care that he needs to stay alive. That's it. Our society has lost so much empathy over the last decade plus. The sanctity of human life is not what it used to be. And we see that in the responses and reactions to this situation and also in the senseless mass shootings and killings that we have. Human life is precious. And it doesn't matter whether it's Damar Hamlin or John Doe. We need to have more empathy in this world and focus on what's the most important thing. And that's life itself. Prayers are up for you, Damar, all around this world, the sports community, the fans. We're there with you, man. And we're wishing the best and we're hoping for your recovery. And I hope that something out of this changes this violent sport you love to play so much, whether it be understanding at a, at a much deeper level the physical condition and structural issues potentially in the heart of a player or maybe the pads and protection that we've seemed to have gotten away from historically as players have gotten bigger and stronger and faster. Something from your situation must come out of this that provides better protection for your fellow NFL players and athletes in all sports, perhaps. That would be the goodness of this situation that you have had to endure now. This is Chris Nickel on Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023, signing out from Moneyliners.com's podcast. Have a great day, and God bless DeMar Hamlin.